0: Before we read the Bible, let me pray and then read. Our great God, we do want to thank you that you open the Bible because you want to be honest with us and you help us to be honest with you. And we pray that that will be helpful for us tonight and that we might discover how great you are, despite our opposite of greatness and failure. Give us eyes to see that rather than to suppress it. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Romans chapter 1 and verse 16. For I am not ashamed of the gospel. It is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith. As it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. For the wrath of God is In the things that have been made. So they are without excuse. For although they knew God, they did not honour him as God or give thanks to him, but became futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. Therefore, God gave them up in the lust of their hearts to impurity, to the dishonouring of their bodies among themselves, because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie, and worshipped and served the creature rather than the Creator who is blessed forever, our man. For this reason, God gave them up to dishonorable passions. For their women exchanged natural relations for those that are contrary to nature. And the men likewise gave up natural relations with women and were consumed with passion for one another, men committing shameless acts with men and receiving in themselves the due penalty for their error. And since they did not see fit to acknowledge God, God gave them up to a debased mind to do what ought not to be done. They were filled with all manner of unrighteousness, evil, covetousness, malice. They are full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, maliciousness. They are gossips, slanderers, haters of God, insolent, haughty, boastful, inventors of evil, disobedient to parents, foolish, faithless, heartless, ruthless. Though they know God's righteous decree that those who practice such things deserve to die, they not only do them, but give approval to those who practice them. Well, those are strong words, aren't they? We'd better find out what they mean. But before we do that, the children are going to their group and then we'll stay in and have a think on those words we've just read. Let the children leave first and then we'll carry on. Well, I guess that was a, a, a bit of a, a different reading that you'd expect, I guess, in that church. But let me just uh, come to it like this. The doorstep conversation. Don't talk to me about God. This world's too messed up. End of. No further conversation about God. And I guess the reason why people say that, think that is because God's job is to be nice and we read the headlines and we give him the sack and this part of the Bible tells us something interesting it tells us it's actually the bad stuff that proves that there is a God rather than cancels him out we're going to see that as we go through this evening that God is actually behind the bad stuff that happens that's going to be interesting isn't it and we're going to ask why is he doing that and what's the answer So let's go straight in and see first what causes the mess of our world. Actually verse tells us, verse 18 rather tells us that there is mess because of God's wrath. Uh, it's interesting, isn't it? Because we normally think God's wrath is waiting for us right at the end of the road. It's there at the end of the world. But actually, what verse 18 tells us is that God's wrath is actually something that's going on right now. And it's triggered by people who put the lid on what God's like. We suppress the truth about God. Like the picture, we've got our hands like this. So you say, well, if the world is suppressing the truth about God, what's God like then? Tell me. It seems, from what I read so far in the Bible, that it seems that God's pretty nasty. He's full of wrath, it seems. Well, look closely. Because verse 19 tells us that what is true about God is plain for everybody to see and you can't miss it. Because when you live in this world that there... That God has made and then end up thinking that there is no God it's like shutting your eyes and sticking your fingers in your ears and there's me in front of you talking and you go la 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 get lost you don't exist and there's God in front of us all the time in our face yeah to say that you're a creature and living in a world without a creator is like saying you don't believe in parents. You're living proof that parents exist. But when the Bible says that God's eternal power and divine nature is obvious to everybody right from the start, I think the Bible is telling us a little bit more than that. What the Bible is telling us about God is that this is a God who with his eternal power makes things. And secondly, the divine nature of God, what he's like, is that he gives things. You look at the world and you realise that God makes and he gives. I want you to just think about that little pair of words going together because I'll come back to it later. He makes and he gives. That's what God is like. That's why it says in verse twenty-one, it would be perfectly right for us to therefore honour him as God and give thanks to him as God. That's what we should be doing because a God like this is around. So wherever you are on the planet, and people sometimes say, don't they, uh, what happens for the person out in out of Bongo, Bongo, or wherever who hasn't heard about God? Um, and the answer is that person doesn't exist because wherever they are, there is a created world and wherever there is a created world, creation introduces us to the God who makes and who gives. And mess comes when we suppress the truth that there is a God like that and we become foolish in verse 22 and we make our own gods In other words we take the good things that god has made and we turn them into our gods and we go from we exchange the glory of god is how it puts it uh in verse 23 we we go from thinking god is glorious to think that this particular thing that he's made that we've got that is the thing that is glorious. That's the thing that will keep us going. Now we do that with loads of different things. It could be drugs, it could be alcohol, it could be kids, it could be anything good things that are around. And we, make, we then go and make them the glorious things that in the end we can't do without. This is what life is really there uh, to give. And we suppress the truth that there is a God who makes and gives and we go for the substitutes instead. Okay, That is what causes the mess. Now, can I just say at this point that at the end of every talk we have questions and answers so you're not going to have to be quiet at the end of this. Come back and we can, we can talk more. But just for now, this is what causes the mess. We suppress the truth, there's a God who makes and gives and we make substitutes instead. So that, why um, does God let us go deeper into the mess? Because that's what we're told in verse 24, in verse 26, in verse 28. Something you don't normally expect the Bible to tell us. The same words again and again, God gives them up. Or God gave them up in in, uh, verse 24, in verse 26. God gave them up in verse 28. God gave them up. Three different areas in which God gives people up. First, he gives people up to uh, uh, religion. And uh, it is interesting, is it? When we take a mortal man Uh, As it says in verse 23, I guess like Muhammad. Or look at those Hindu gods that uh, Hannah put up on the screen earlier that uh, are birds and um, animals and creepy things. And we go from those and we honour and serve the creature rather than the creator In verse 24 it tells us that happens because God gives people up. So the first sign that God has given up people is actually that they become religious. And we think that all religions are a little expression of the truth. The Bible says that all religions are a distortion of the truth. And the reason I think is because religions ultimately tell us to do things to keep God happy and in the process take our eyes off the fact that it's all the other way around. God makes and God gives. Religion tells us what we need to do to tick the boxes. It's better to have no religion at all than the religions that tell us that we've got to do things uh, for God. And human religion is a sign that God has given us up. Now just think about it. People turn to religion for help. But when man turns for help to something that itself is part of the problem, then we are going to be in a pickle, aren't we? And that's what happens. God gives people up to be religious, and uh, that's part of his judgment. Then in verse 26, you find he gives uh, people up to dishonorable passions. You see that in verse 24 as well. Um, To um, uh, give up to the lusts of their hearts. Uh, Now look, when we look at the kind of uh, uh, activity that's mentioned here, which is homosexual activity, Uh, We really don't like anyone having a go at any minority group. That's true for anybody here tonight. But what I guess gay sex teaches us, it's a simple way of showing us how our natural lust can get confused with natural love. Natural love has an outcome in mind, which is mainly children. That's why men and women have sex. But when you actually take away that and put physical passion, if you like, in its place, that's what the Bible talks about, our natural lust is about physical passion which doesn't have, therefore, the outcome of nature and the natural um, result to children. where in that case we see it's more about the body and keeping that happy than the God whose truth we suppress in the process. Now again we might think that actually God's angry because people live like this and then God is angry at the end What you actually find, the Bible tells us, is the other way around. It is because God has given people up that this form of behavior follows. So when a culture starts having a, a fair place given to it for religion and homosexuality, you know that is a culture that God has given up. And that's what the Bible tells us. And then in verse 28... God gives people up to do masses of wrong uh, in a whole heap of different relational ways. And the craziness is summed up in verse 32 at the bottom of the page where, yes, everybody knows that this kind of stuff is wrong, and yet, well, it's still cool to be wrong. (coughs) So we keep at it. Now, why does God... Let people go down that road and give people up for them to head that way and accelerate. Friends, how else do you think God is going to wake us up from the fact that we make other gods and then make life messy? And this mess is one that is too big, and we're too helpless to get out of it. So when you look at all those things in verses 28 to 32, and there are quite a few things mentioned, and remember this is a list that's 2,000 years old, let me ask you, is there a single thing in this list that we've managed to get rid of as a result of our social programs and our new clever ways of thinking today? Is there one of those... Things that we've got wrong in the past that we've managed to somehow correct and sort out that mess ourselves, there isn't these things are just as relevant today as they were then we we are helpless we can't we can't change the mess that we're in, but the point is this: when we get to that point of realization that we can't change the mess that we're in. That's the point at which God is ultimately driving us. It's when we get to the end of the road and we realize this is a mess that there's no escape from, it's at that point that we begin to realize we're stuffed. And when you get to the end of yourself, you get to the beginning of God. And that's what happened. If you know the story about uh, the uh, sun and he wanted his father's money and the father gave him up to that way of life and he went and lived in the far country. Why? Is it because the dad hated him? No way. It's because only when he got in the pigsty would he realise home was worth thinking about once again. And when he started moving towards home the father runs to hug him. God takes us to the very end of the road in order that we can see this is a dead end and turn back. That's the reason why God puts us in the mess that we're in. But then he fixes the mess and uh, this is the last thing I want to say. You see, he does it in verses 16 and 17. And the gospel can save anyone in a mess, the power of God's salvation to the Jew first and also the Greek, if you were here last week, you know that the Jew and the Greek or the Gentile were two polar opposites of the spectrum of humanity. They absolutely hated each other, so they, if you like, are the bookends of all humanity, and all stations in between are within the reach of God in that way. It is the power of God for salvation for everyone whatever extreme they happen to be in and Sir Paul says I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it can do that now we might just want to stop and ask why might he be ashamed why might anyone be ashamed of the gospel it's not because it's old fashioned it's for another reason it's for this reason it is because in the heart of humanity, there is a whole load of pride and the gospel is humbling. I suppose you want to, you might think of it like this. If you imagine a straight line and, um, oh yes, we haven't got to the end um, here. <coughs> it's, it's, uh, gospel is humbling and if you think of the straight line like this, Um, where God's rightness or what the Bible would call righteousness and our wrongness which the Bible calls our unrighteousness they're at either end of the line now we're reasonably proud so we don't think uh, we're uh, at either extreme so we want to be sort of modest and we're not as good as God but we're not as bad as we think we might be so we're Somewhere there, okay, um, along that line, at some point. And what the Bible uh, tells us is that uh, we we want to basically uh, need to see ourselves there. We need to. The Bible tells us we need to understand that we are deserving of God's wrath. And so He gives us little foretaste of that wrath to realize what we finally deserve. And we are people who deserve God's wrath and hell. And so the Bible pushes us back to the extreme of who we are so we can be honest with ourselves and with him. And for that reason, People don't like the gospel because there's a fair amount of pushback on pride. No, I'm not quite as far back as that. And we want to keep trying to move ourselves uh, to be better. But the point is this, that once God gives us the humility to see ourselves as unrighteous, as deserving of hell and deserving his wrath, at that point, When we turn to God and say, so I can't fix this, please would you make me righteous? What happens is that the Bible tells us he gives us his righteousness. He, if you like, puts right... Our relationship with him he gets us into a right relationship with him and the only way God can get us into a right relationship with him is if we have matching righteousness so if we are righteous as him then we can have a relationship with him and that's what God tells us the Bible or what Bible tells us God does if you look at verse 17 uh, in the gospel the righteousness of God is revealed not for us to work at but for us to trust. It is revealed from faith for faith. As it is written, the righteous will live or in other words the righteous will be righteous by trusting God and this free gift that he gives. And so we have what we might call God-grade righteousness given to anybody who says, I am unrighteous and we need you to make us righteous. And uh, God gives that righteousness to anybody who asks. That is the power of God. Now you might not think very much of it at the moment. You might say, well, I've asked God's righteousness and I trust that God has given me his righteousness. I just don't feel very different. I didn't have any goosebumps or anything like that. But let me tell you that when the the final day comes, when the wrath of God is finally revealed against uh, the unrighteousness of men who by their unrighteousness have suppressed the truth, when that day finally comes and... The the pride of mankind is flattened uh, by the wrath of God because it suppressed the truth about him. On that day when the world is mown down and you are left standing on your feet because God thinks you are righteous because God has given you his righteousness. God treats you that way that day you will know how powerful the gospel is. Even if you don't get the full feel of that right now. Because you've got God-grade righteousness. And the reason I asked you to remember those phrases, God God made and God gave, is because that's what he does with creation, and that's what he does with his righteousness. He made it in the sense that it is always in him, and he gave it. That's the only way anyone can be righteous with this God. So it might be that there are three quick take-homes that we want from this. If you're someone who's not yet a Christian, and it may be that you've placed yourself roughly there on the line, can you see that uh, uh, we need to understand that uh, life and the way we've lived it is slightly more serious than we thought and we need to go back and to be humble and say no we have suppressed the truth about God, we have chosen to live for other things more than for him and we need to go back to accepting that we deserve God's wrath, we deserve hell and then go and ask the God who makes and gives to give you his righteousness do that tonight and trust him to give it to you in the way that he has generously given creation to everyone what happens if you've been to church before and again uh, you've uh, uh, seen tonight how religion can uh, maybe keep us there but in the case of religion It gives us things to do, how to be good people, in order to bridge the gap and to get closer to the righteousness of God. But it is also true that religious people discover that their religion actually isn't delivering the goods. And there was a man called Martin Luther, who was a monk in Germany, and he did all the right things but found that all his religion did was to give him a mask and make him look good on the outside to other people. But inside, he felt deeply guilty in the way that he'd lived in front of God. And then Rom- uh, Martin Luther read Romans and he discovered that actually the righteousness of God is available to anybody because it's a free gift. And suddenly he realized that his religion was not worth the paper it was written on. He went back himself to realising that the religion that he practised in his life got him nowhere and he asked for the righteousness of God and received it. And that's uh, what he did the rest of his life loving that free gift. But I think we, if we've been around in churches before, we are going to have to probably make that same trip and to realise that actually if we are going to we get the righteousness of God, we having to unlearn the religious stuff we picked up before, before we can suddenly start a new relationship with God that is going to fill us with joy. And then thirdly, maybe you're a real Christian, but you're ashamed of the Gospel because, well, from what you've read today, you can see it's politically incorrect, and we know that if we go and talk about our Christianity in front of other people, there'll be the pushback of human pride. And we need, I think, tonight to have fresh confidence that the gospel is the power of God for salvation for everyone who believes. Just imagine one day the wrath of God flattening down the whole of humanity. Now imagine someone standing on that day with God-grade righteousness because you cared enough for them to bring this gospel to lead them to ask for this free gift, and then to receive it. And that's therefore what Christians do when they're not ashamed of the Gospel. They go to other people, and they want other people to be drawn into that safety. That's what Paul does in verse 15. I'm eager to preach the Gospel to you also who are in Rome. That is the mark of someone who is not ashamed of the Gospel, That they want other people to trust it as well. And it's therefore true, isn't it, that if we aren't wanting other people to trust this gospel, then actually what that really shows is we're ashamed of it. Bottom line. And it's therefore great to be humble with God and to admit to God where that is the case and then go out with confidence. This gospel will keep people safe when the wrath of God is revealed. But it will mean going out and confronting the pride of people who will push back against that gospel. But we want to do it because for some, there'll be an understanding that actually it is true. That they've hit the buffers and there needs to be a new way of living life in right relationship with God and they'll listen. So we want to uh, be those who are confident of the Gospel and therefore having God's righteousness we want to take it to others because we're not ashamed. That's what being not ashamed means. We take it to other people who don't know him well let me stop there and let me pray and then after that um, we'll take some questions and uh, have a chat with each other but first let me keep quiet and whatever the take home is for you why don't you just simply talk to God now one minute and we keep quiet privately talk to him and then we'll have the questions and answers after that let's have a moment of quiet first Well, let me pray as the minute is up. Our gracious God, we are naturally proud and there are things we've heard tonight that maybe are not easy for us to accept and the inclination would be therefore to suppress that truth that you speak. But please, in your goodness, would you give us the humility to trust what you tell us? To see who we really are? And to ask you for that God-grade righteousness that you give us as a free gift? And in your goodness, please help us to live in the joy of that gift and it in the future, when we will be safe in your uh, uh, day of judgment. And we pray that you help us to take that gift to others without being ashamed of the gospel. And we pray you help us to do that as a church, as as individuals. And we pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen.